Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch, joined with the one and only Mrs. Laura Eldridge. Hey, y'all. And Mr. I am on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> J.D. Rogers. What up? And I think we're all on TikTok now. I think so. Yeah. Should we just yeah. make this a TikTok video, the entire Views from the Porch? Yeah, we should do like, you know, the new time is ticking. Mm. So get on TikTok. Oh, I, I don't. Right. I don't know whether to categorize that as like, oh, really clever or like, was that a dad joke? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We're, in, we're at that age. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. What are we talking about, though? Yeah, today we're getting right to it. We're talking about, should I attend a gay wedding? Mm. It is Pride Month for the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And I think this is a, re- a really relevant conversation to have because I think a lot of people are sitting, David, in the tension of, I want to love people the best that I can. And I think it can get really confusing. The tension people feel is, is, how do I love them, accept them, show them that God loves them and accepts them, but also not support or um, give my, what's the word? Stamp of approval. Yeah. Uh, for what they're doing. If I don't agree with it, does attending a gay wedding, we'll get to this too, but like even just thinking that does attending a gay wedding give my stamp of approval? Um, is that what that's doing? So let's just start with the first one. Um is it, what should I do if I'm invited to a gay wedding? Yeah. I think establishing first, this is a topic that when it comes to homosexuality, same-sex attraction, the church has not always done a great job of on. And while we talk about that at the porch and acknowledge that people listening or who may have this shared may not have heard that. And so we want to start there by acknowledging there's no distinction between sins of one sin, uh, sexual sin. There's not different severity in terms of like one is worse than the other. And so all of us are broken, all of us are sinners, all of us are in need of God's grace. And the church, any church that is communicated intentionally, unintentionally, that homosexuality is of a different category or is a worse sin than uh, pornography or than selfishness or than pride or than bitterness, all of which are 10 times more prevalent among young adults in terms of statistically than, um, than homosexuality is. Okay, but why do you even think... Why, how do you know that being gay is a sin? Because I think a lot of people would say that God, they can't help how God created them. And it's been in them since they were born. Yeah. And they can't decide who their body is attracted to and chooses to love. Yeah. So we've done other messages and other podcasts on homosexuality. So we can't camp there exactly or for enormous amounts of time. But we believe the Bible is clear from Matthew 19 from 1 Corinthians 7, from Romans chapter 1, that God created male and female, and what he defines as marriage, not what the world does, not even what the Supreme Court does, what God says constitutes a marriage is between one man and one woman. You can find that in Matthew chapter 19. You can find the explicit um, categorization, categorization, 
Is that how you say that? Ca- yeah. Yeah. It's category. put in the category of sin in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, where it says, hey, part of the fall was God gave them over to dishonorable passions or to men exchanging relationships with women with other men. That's not saying it's the greatest sin or even a sin all of its kind. It just clearly is categorized as a sin. Just like sex outside of marriage is categorized as a sin, that marriage is between a man and a woman. And so is it wrong to have same-sex attraction or temptation? No. Is it wrong to have a heterosexual or opposite sex attraction and temptation? No, it's wrong to get in to those at any level and in any context other than the context of marriage, which by definition, according to God, is between one man and one woman. What's really hard about this conversation is it just feels so personal. Like it feels so, does that make sense? Like, totally. It feels like you're not just attacking someone. Like if you were like, yeah, hey, when you burst out in anger, that's wrong. And I'm like, okay, yeah, clearly, like I shouldn't hit someone when they upset me. That's an outward, just one time moment. I won't get angry again. Yeah. But when you're saying, hey, giving into that desire, it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't choose this desire. And does that mean that I don't ever get to love does that mean I don't ever get to like? There's so many questions that come with it. So what? What? There's you said there's messages, um, that point. Like we have other views in the porch episodes. Yep, we did. We did a sermon called "Can I Be a Christian and Be Gay?" or "Can I Be Gay and Be a Christian?" and asking for a friend series, which is in 2019, I believe, or 2018. That's on the porch app. You can also find it on our podcast on Spotify. We did a message called "Love Is Love" in Instagram theology, which was in 2019. Um, and so if you just go to theporch.live and type in same sex or homosexuality or gay, there's going to be tons of resources out there. And, um, and because there, there are people who struggle with that all across the board that are attending on Tuesday nights that are following Jesus radically and they're surrendering, even if it means, Hey, because this desire that I have, it may never be fulfilled. And I, I also share desires that will never be fulfilled um, having a polygamous sex with anybody that I want. I also recognize there is a distinction in that I do have a, a attraction to someone of the opposite sex. That is my wife. And there's a context where, if you will, the opposite, the pushback would be, well, you have an outlet for that because you can get married. And so what about me? To the person, and you're not alone, who is saying, even if God never changes my attraction, I'm going to follow Jesus, whatever that looks like and whatever that means, even if it means being celibate for the rest of my life. Keep going. You are such a gift to the body of Christ. You're a portrait of strength, and you model something that has a, um, you have a strength of faith, conviction, confidence that inspires me. And so keep going. Um, God is clear. And, and again, there's other resources because we're going to move into the conversation as it relates to wedding, which is a really increasingly important um, question to ask and waters to navigate. Is it okay to go to a gay wedding? And I would say you got to almost ask uh, some other questions before you get there. Like what does going to a wedding communicate? What would y'all say? I think support. Celebration. Okay, support, celebration. Yeah. Um, it communicates that... Uh, I'm well, I know at least in the context of weddings I've been to, it's like they're when they're making that covenant, they say before God and before man, and they always do a thing where it's like, those of you watching, you're agreeing to keep these people accountable to this, these vows for the rest of their life, like you're in it with them. Yeah, so I, I asked that question because there's a lot of weddings that 
the challenge as it relates to attending a gay wedding would be the same challenge that should happen or would happen as it relates to attending the wedding of a couple that is sleeping together, that is um, claiming to be Christian. So there's different nuances that make this a really important question and I think bring clarity to the answer to, is it wrong to attend a gay wedding? Or they at least help us give some clarity. Yeah. As it relates to a wedding, attending, generally speaking, is intentionally or unintentionally saying, hey, I approve of this and I'm celebrating not just Bob, but I'm celebrating Bob and Mary coming together or Bob and Steve coming together. And my presence at that wedding is communicating at some level, whether I realize it or not, hey, I am approving of this or I'm here to support of this. I think you got to ask the question as it relates to weddings, like what weddings and what what other sins should I be thoughtful of? Like, is this a wedding that I'm excited to come and approve and give like my endorsement that this should be happening? Because it could just be a heterosexual couple that's living clearly in sin, that's outside of God's will. And I think when they claim to be Christians, that becomes increasingly challenging. I wouldn't do personally the wedding of a couple that was living together. They asked, even if it was a family member, if they're living together, I wouldn't do their wedding because I couldn't in good conscience say, hey, I think this couple is setting the right foundation to start this relationship and this marriage going forward. If they're a same-sex attracted couple, I wouldn't do the wedding because I don't believe that is a wedding or is a marriage. And, um, and I think the question we have to ask is, what is my presence communicating? At the same time, Jesus associated all throughout the gospels with sinners. In Matthew chapter 9, in Luke chapter 17, we're told one of the biggest criticisms was that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, Jesus reclined, he sat at the table, many tax collectors and sinners came up to him and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. He was often criticized for being in environments that were around people that could have been seen as, are you giving your approval to the lifestyle that they live? Are you endorsing what they're doing? And so I do think there is a tension to manage because we also want to communicate to Bob. We love them. We care about them. We're for them. I value them way beyond their sexuality. They're a person. And I, I want to spend time and care about them and tell them that God cares about them. And the biggest thing about them is not their sexuality or their sexual orientation. But I think when it comes to attending a gay wedding, we have to ask the question, what is my presence at this wedding going to communicate? It becomes harder if they're both, if it's a guy and a guy or a girl and a girl, and they're claiming to be followers of Christ, because then I'm then stepping into that, I'm communicating, I affirm their marriage, and I affirm that this marriage is consistent with their claim to be followers of Christ. And I think it just comes down to... Um, what am I communicating about this? And is that okay? Yeah, that's really good, David. But but I heard you say, like, even if they aren't Christians, there's a differentiation because it's not the same as going to a male and female non-Christian wedding because the principle of marriage is, in general, you're saying there's a stamp of approval, whether or not they're followers of Christ, that, 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 that is a marriage. Yeah, I mean, here's where it breaks down. Technically speaking, I would say going to a, a gay wedding, um, that doesn't biblically exist. Yeah. Because a wedding, by definition, is the formation of a marriage, and a marriage, by definition, is a man and a woman. So it becomes tricky to go, hey, technically, you're not actually going to a gay wedding. You're going to some pomp and circumstance with two people who um, think that they're getting into a marriage, but biblically, that doesn't exist. And so I think that it really is, if there's not a clear overall blanket statement, which is going to frustrate a lot of Christians, candidly, and go, I can't believe you'd even leave the door open. I can't think of a scenario where I would attend a gay wedding 
because it would communicate my approval and my excitement and my endorsement of this this union, this civil union taking place. But there could be a scenario where it was the most loving, God-honoring thing to do. And beforehand, I communicated very clearly, I don't think this is a marriage. I don't think it's best. God loves you. He wants a relationship. Ultimately, what you believe about Jesus is the biggest priority that any of us have, and that relationship with him is the biggest relationship any of us need to step into. I can't think of a scenario where I would do that, but there could be one out there. I'm just saying, as it relates to any wedding, what am I communicating about my presence at that wedding? Yeah, that's really good because I think in general, our generation and the generation behind us, it's we're just pretty thoughtless. Like we kind of want to not be that serious about things. We want to be able to just do what we want to do. And um, I think that at minimum is going to help people just step back in and like level down of what is my doing saying about what I believe? Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. I think what's interesting about everything you're saying is I think the reason why people are asking this question is because they're afraid of what it communicates. If you think about it, those people, the gay couple want you there because they love you and they, and like that you love them, which is good. Um, but if you love them truly and they already don't even know where you stand, like let's say in your mind, you're like, I don't agree with this, but I want to love them. I would question if you've been loving them. That's right. And because like, if the only reason they're inviting you is because this perceived love, even though you know deep down you don't agree and you're wrestling with this question, well, that's not even fair to them because you haven't ever, you're living a fake love. You're living a fake friendship with those people. The most loving thing, I bet even that couple would say, why do you be real with me? Because that's what true love is and true friendship is. And I want to know, like most gay couples that I talk to now are way more mature than like, they're, they're just, they're, they're mature people that go, let me know what you think. Like, let's talk about it. And I think everyone thinks, no, if I talk about it, I'm coming off like I hate the LGBTQ plus community. And it's like, if people can't talk about their thoughts and learn and ask questions and have people over for dinner out of fear, you're already taking an L. And so I would just question you to go, man, what does this communicate? Well, what have you already communicated? Because honestly, the decision to attend the wedding shouldn't, there shouldn't be new information given to that couple in that decision that hasn't already been talked about just on your, in your relationship with yes, them. Totally right. Just like any sin, it wouldn't be loving if, if I struggle with pornography or I struggle with alcohol, if JD was like, yeah, but I love you. And I, I know that you, you know, I know that's not a good thing that um, you, you drink too much or that you're addicted to porn. But I love you, and I know that party kind of likes that, and so I'm gonna help, I'm gonna buy you some flasks, and here's some whiskey, and you know, let's take some shots, or I'm gonna come over and um, bring another hard drive so you have more room on your computer for pornography. No one would say that's a loving thing for a Christian to do to a fellow Christian. The loving thing would be saying, no, hey, I'm going to hold you accountable. Every day I'm going to text you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to ask you how you're doing at a thought level with sexual sin. Or is it, what have you looked at recently on social media? And I'm just using that as one example to say that biblically we believe is love, that it's not loving to just say, you know what, I'm going to not just tolerate and be okay with the fact that there's a clear sexual sin. I'm just using that example. It could be alcohol, it could be anything, but I'm going to endorse it and support it. We would say that's not love biblically. 
because love is, is willing to wound, is willing to hold accountable, is willing to speak the truth in love. And so that's where it becomes really tricky at a, at a gay wedding. If somebody claims to be a Christian, that you're endorsing and celebrating a sexual sin or a type of, of just like heterosexual sin that you are endorsing and giving approval to. And so I, I think you should be thoughtful over every wedding you attend, regardless of if they're same sex or heterosexual. Like, what am I communicating and endorsing about this? Yeah, what's really hard, which that's all really, really good, y'all. What's what's so hard is that our culture has created um, this, I mean, cancel culture, where it's like, if you speak something that I don't agree with, you're automatically canceled. And on top of that, I really think that in general, we want people to be happy. Like we want to see people that we love and want them to be happy. And I think Christians even can almost make provision. There's probably a better word for that. Make make a way for sin in our friends' lives because we look at them and think like, oh, they're happy. Why would I want them to be unhappy? So speak to that for a second. Yeah, I, I think that we we do tolerate and we say, it's loving to just do, let people do what they feel like doing because that feels like loving. And we live in a culture where love is, um, has been so diluted over what it actually means. And it's been so self-focused that I love in that scenario because I don't want to do anything that makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to stir the waters. I don't want to, I don't want to be in a position of not being liked, which is really not loving that other person. It's loving myself. And, uh, and I think that's really tricky. And here's where it's, it's hard for us, I think, as Christians, because the Bible is the word of God inspired by him. As 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, every word of God has been breathed out, inspired by him, and is useful for equipping, training, and correcting our life. That we're to live according to it. And so if that's true, it would be so unloving for me to any person who's trying to follow Jesus to suggest that they live in a way that goes against what God's word says leads to life. And that is across the board in any direction. If I just endorse and they're like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. The Bible says that sin always leads to death and destruction and pain and hurt. So anytime that I don't, or I see somebody, um, you know, running towards the cliff and they're about to jump off or they're backing up, you know, to use that analogy, and there's a cliff behind them and I don't say, stop, don't, 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 don't. That's not loving. Even if I'm like, well, I don't want to interrupt them and they look like they're having a good time. And um, that would still be unloving. And it just would be me not wanting to be uncomfortable. So I, I think that's a tension for as Christians that we have to walk through is both being kind and loving someone and, and not putting up some stigma as they're like, dude, if Bob and Steve get married, I'd go to breakfast with them today and be around them and, and do what Jesus did, which is love people and care for people and spend time with them and tell me about your story and what you like to do and and ultimately look for a way to point them to Jesus. But I don't think that we can just forfeit. And this is where I see a lot of Christians going is they just go, well, maybe times have changed. If anything, sexuality in the first century endorsed a level of homosexual sexuality that far exceeds what our current culture is. And by that, I mean, uh, pedophilia. There's another name for it, like pedodogery. It, it was embraced in a part of the sexual culture and ethos of the first century where men having sex with younger men or younger teenage boys in order, it was a part of it, almost like a, a mentorship program. And because women were seen as less than men until Christianity came and blew every category as though their Greek writing of Socrates and Aristotle that women didn't have souls. So to have sex with a woman was simply for procreation. So all that to say, that's kind of a distraction, but the sexual climate 
We think it's like, well, you know, it's 2021, man. It's a new day. When the Bible was written in the first century, the sexuality that existed far exceeded anything that is here. Prostitution was legal, accepted, and a part of going to church or worship of, wow. of the gods. So the, um, the idea that it's just, man, that's old-fashioned is crazy and is not a biblical one. But what is never out of fashion is us loving people, speaking the truth, being thoughtful, considerate, caring for someone, um, going out of our way to love them because they're a person. But when it comes to a wedding, I think we got to be really thoughtful. What am I communicating in attending this? Yeah. And I think disagreeing does not mean like removal. Like yes. so many people, it's like, well, I disagree. And you kind of like start to like back up after that, off that relationship. I would say disagreement should be a means to press in um, and to like spend more time together and continue to flesh it out. Like we're such a, if someone disagrees, ah, that's not really fun to be around disagreement. And like, we should normalize disagreeing and continuing to pursue and love and sit around a dinner table and talk about it and not, it does not mean, it's what's make, people make it so weird and overcomplicated. It's like, we disagree. Well, let's keep fleshing it out till we agree. And it becomes like a punching match yeah. of like, every time you sit on a table, it's like, okay, we're going to get on the topic of homosexuality today. I know that's coming. And it's like, I wouldn't want to be around that. And so it's like, do, do you love that person? Do they trust you? Do they trust your, your wisdom, your words and all of that? Have you created just a normal relationship with them? Or are you just trying to beat them over the head with your Bible stick? Cause that's just not, I don't, I don't want that for my sin. And so I just think, I think that we need to create spaces where conversations can flourish and continue past um, agreement or disagreement. Yep. And prioritize relationships. Like you think about it, it's funny as you were saying that. If anybody could have uh, done, could have showed up on the planet and walked around and gone, I know what you did. I know what you did. I know what you're thinking. I know how you cheated on your you know, spouse six months ago. It's Jesus. There's no record of him ever going around. He's sitting around with sinners and he could have gone and you had a little lunch to drink at that wedding the other night and you slept with that girl in high school that you thought you were going to marry. It didn't happen. And you, I can't even mention what you did because it's so bad. <laughs> There's no record of Jesus ever doing that, that he just loved and was present with people and pursued relationship. But he also, he didn't condone that he didn't have a spirit of air and condemnation but he also didn't condone. So he didn't condemn or condone. He called them, he called people to follow him and to know him and to walk with him and out of their sin. And so. That's really good. Oh, and he was, yeah, I was just going to say, and he was also okay with being misunderstood. Yes. Because you will be misunderstood. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's I love when he says to the woman that was caught in adultery, he's like, who judges you? She's like, no one, Lord. And he's like, neither do I. Now get up and sin no more. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say, I love you. I got rid of the Pharisees, you know, stand up and continue on your life. He's like, but also what's truly best for you is to trust me and and not continue sinning and um, in this sin of adultery. And I I love that. And I think we like sometimes don't read that line with as much intensity. This is really interesting. This just hit me. What's interesting is that people did have the stones in their hands until they got with Jesus. So it's like people were ready to stone her. They were in in a sense, like judging her until they realized like, wait a second, I have no, um, uh, no biblical grounds for that. Yeah. Okay, I'm the same way. I have nothing. And so there was one more thing. Oh, uh, this is interesting. I, uh, when I got engaged, my ring from to Corey, 
uh, it's a jewelry company in LA and they posted about it and people came for Takori because in my bio it says the porch and people were coming and tagging me and Takori and they were saying, Takori, do you support someone who is anti LGBTQ plus and uh, does not permit uh, marriage between same sex and hates the LGBTQ community? And it took so much like self-control to not just like give my thoughts and just to let people be people. But it's like we have homosexual, like people who struggle with same-sex attraction on our staff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At Watermark. And and there are so many people at Watermark that are like, yep, this is like something that I have to give to the Lord every single day. Yes. And they, they are, they are, I mean, they're amazing and they serve our body. And so to say that we are hateful towards that community or to say that we're anti anything, we are, we are pro Jesus. We are pro love. We are pro um, the grace of God, like bringing in every single person. Um, but it's funny, like no matter what the facts are, that's, what's going to happen. Like you're going to be, we're going to get stuff for the emails for this podcast. People are going to make their own assumptions. And and so just to like wrap it up, like in this decision that you're making of should I, or should I not attend a gay wedding? I would just say like, hold fast and like be be led by the spirit of God and the word of God and the people of God around you. And you're good. And like, God's got you. It's good. Yeah. I really do want to ask one practical question for people who are listening right now, who are like, man, that's kind of convicting because I do believe the Bible wholeheartedly. I am all in on Jesus. And my friends haven't really known where I stand. So I have a gay BFF and, and that person's getting married. So how would you say that they should approach that conversation? And obviously there's like no shame. Like you are where you are. Start with God's grace for even that. But how would you say like you can start having these conversations? Yeah, I think, you know, that's such an open-ended question that you could go. So there's so many nuances to it and so many degrees of, of relationship and yeah. friendship and all that. But I think if you've never shared that, you could use it as a, a starting point to say, hey, I just got to share this. I have not been a good friend. And by a good friend, I mean someone who shares about the most important thing in my life, which is my relationship with Jesus. And I've never asked you about that. And my relationship with Jesus tells me everybody's going to live forever somewhere. And the deciding factor over where they're going to spend eternity comes down to, do they have a relationship with Jesus? And I've never told you about that. And I haven't been a good friend because of that. Will you please forgive me? And just owning... The fact that you haven't been a good friend. That's good. You know, and uh, and just saying, I'd love to talk to you about that. And I'd love to share just more about that. But I just felt like I needed to share that with you because I'm called to, to live out and to give a reason for the hope that I have. And maybe I've confused you because I, I haven't lived in a way that pointed you to Jesus or I haven't created questions over like, hey, why do you date this way or live this way? And I've been confusing. And so will you forgive me because I have been not a good friend in that direction. The reason I said and started with, there could be so many different nuances to this, and I just can't think of one right now, is um, there could be a scenario where you're like, hey, I've made it abundantly clear. I don't think this is a marriage. I'm not celebrating the two of you. I don't think this is best. And I think it's really harmful, but I'm, I'm attending, I'm here, I'm present, um, and I'm with the family, and I, I sat and I attended the civil union ceremony. I can't think of exactly how that would work itself out, 
But I do know the question is, what is the most loving, Christ-honoring action that I can take? And if at the end of the day, you wrestle with all those and you ask that question and you feel like that's what God is telling you to do, and you've been really clear, I don't think this is right, there could be a scenario where that you are present at that. But I think the question on all of us is, what am I communicating by attending? And what is the most loving thing I can do to this person and communicate to this person and act towards this person? And, um, and that ultimately is saying, how can I most be like Jesus? What would Jesus have me do in this situation? That's good. That's great. I love it. All right. Well, hey, if you have questions, as always, please email us at info at porch.live. And um, we love you guys. Hopefully this is helpful. And we will see you next week in another episode of Views from the Porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.